Philippians 3, verse number 10. One verse. Paul says that I might know him. I might know him. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want, to know him. And the power of his resurrection. We live in a powerless church today, don't we? I'm not talking about first. I'm talking about the church today. What a powerless... You have, to pause, you have to excuse me, I told you that too, I've been listening to A.W. Tozer all week. Boy, nobody gets me hyped up on the power of God like A.W. Tozer. A man who knew intimacy with God like very few who have walked this earth. We live in a powerless church today. There's power that we have not begun to tap into in God. There is power that you and I have never seen demonstrated with our eyes. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. By the way, if you want to know the power, you have to suffer. You have to suffer. So I don't want to suffer. Then you'll never know power. You'll never know power in your life if you're not willing to suffer. Paul says, I want to know him, and to know him is to know his sufferings, and to share in his power. Being made conformable unto his death. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask your blessing upon the message this morning. We ask for your spirit to teach. Lord, we can't understand this great book but by the Holy Spirit. Apply it to our lives, Lord. Give us a deep longing for the power of God. A power this world has never seen before. I want the power of God so on display in my life, so on display in the lives of our people, of our church, that people look and go, what manner of church is this? What manner of man do they worship? There's real power. And so much of religion today is pretending power and feigning power, but it's not real power. No gimmicks. No smoke machines, no flashing lights, no big screens, no fancy pastor, no talented singers. We want the power of God, not the talent of men. Oh God, show your power among us. Show your power in our lives. You answered prayers so mightily over the last year. May we be more of a praying people. May we never rely upon ourselves. May we never rely upon our bank accounts, our security, but may we find the power in you. You've promised if we seek first the kingdom of God, all the other stuff will be added to us. Don't let us waste our lives worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Let us live our lives for the kingdom's sake and trust you to add those things to us. Oh, we love you, Lord. But we want to know you. We want to experience you. For far too long in my life, I had a knowledge of God, but no experience of God. I want experiential Christianity. Oh, God, move among us. In a visible and a mighty way. Scare us, Lord. Make us uncomfortable. I think when the Spirit truly moves, we get uncomfortable. 
Make us uncomfortable, Lord. Yes, Lord. We ask again your blessing upon the message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When I start listening to Tozer, you don't know what's going to come out of me in the sermon. I should just play Tozer and sit down and let you guys listen to him. I know we covered up to verse 10, I think it was last time, about two weeks ago before Brother Abbott came. But I wanted to revisit verse 10 again because I feel like there's more here that we can get from this passage. Last time we saw Paul set his accomplishments aside. If salvation came by good works or by religious fervor, then Paul could glory. But that's simply not the case. Paul knew that to be in Christ is to be in Christ not because of our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. So Paul had to abandon everything that he laid claim to, to be in Christ. Paul wanted to experience the power of the resurrection of Christ. This power, by the way, is available to the Christian today. This was not a one-time-in-history event. One and done. Jesus raised from the dead, and now we're on our own. The power of Christ's resurrection is available to you and I today. Then why do we live without it? Why are we content to go on our lives never experiencing the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the power to walk in new life. The power to surrender ourselves to the new nature. The power to resist sin and temptation. We need to talk more about the power available to Christians today. Because Christians are so powerless. I was watching, so disgusted. So many big conferences, so many big. We Christ, Christianity is a subculture, and we have what's the term I'm looking for? We've created a market, right? It's a market. Millions of dollars go into these conferences. I've been to some of them. My wife's been to some of them. And all week, the, it even infects the good churches, the big, solid, reformed, you know, doctrinally sound churches. They had their big conference this week, and all my Facebook friends are just posting their selfies with their favorite celebrity preacher. Because that's what we do, right? I mean, you run into, who's a celebrity, honey? You're more sinful than, who, who's a celebrity? I don't know the celebrities today. Tom Hanks, there you go. Thank you, honey. She's wearing her I Heart Tom Hanks button. Anyways. You run to Tom Hanks, you take a selfie. Celebrity. We're going to these conferences, we're doing the same thing. Hey, hey, look at me and famous Joe over here. I decided to watch some of the conference, just because I had nothing better to do. The first hour of the video was commercials. Commercials. Selling overpriced products to Christians. You know John MacArthur's got a new Bible coming out? It's wildly expensive. Don't buy it. Wildly expensive. They got this app for your phone that you can buy. Just for a few dollars, you could have accountability to keep you from watching pornography. 
Or you could walk in the power of Christ's resurrection. Why are we selling tools that Christ has given us in our salvation? Oh, you need this. You need this to keep you from looking at dirty stuff online. If you have, if you have the power of Christ's Holy Spirit, you shouldn't need this to keep you from doing that. Right? Can you imagine if I said, I need something. I, need, I just need something. I need to hire someone to follow me around all the time so I don't cheat on my wife. You'd say, Pastor, you need to get saved. You shouldn't desire to do that all the time. Right? Say, Pastor, is there something wrong with having accountability? No, within the local church, no. But as a product to sell, to make money, yes, there is. But it's a sign and a symptom that we don't have the power of God, so we need technology to help us out. There's so much power we're not walking in. You know that Paul lived in ancient Rome where they had like public orgies and naked temple prostitutes everywhere and he didn't walk in fornication and he didn't need an app on his phone to stop him. You know why? He walked in the power of the resurrection of Christ. There's power to the Christian life that we are replacing with technology. You know why? Because we know in our heart of hearts that a lot of people in the church today are not saved and they don't have that power. So instead of getting them saved, let's market to them things that will help them live a more moral life. So as they go to hell thinking they're saved, they'll think, oh, well, at least they're more moral when they're going to hell. The commercialization of Christianity is not the power of God. There's real power. I think this conference charged like $350 a head to get in so you could learn how to have the power of God in your ministry. I don't mean to sound pious or pompous. I, 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 I'm not full of pride here. But I, 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 I can go online for free and read how to have the power of God in my ministry. It was given 2,000 years ago. Complete text, Genesis to Revelation. Why, why am I going to pay almost $400 to have some guy tell me what the Bible already tells me? And why is it almost $400? Because we've commercialized the church. We've commercialized the gospel. We are selling power Christ is offering us for free in the church today. Time did not change. It's been the same way all the I listened to Tozer this morning, of course. If you want, if you want blessing, listen to AW. Just download his sermons. He said he was invited to a preacher's meeting one time in a different area of Ohio from where he lived. He, he was a Christian Missionary Alliance pastor. They had a pastor's meeting. He was the guest speaker. He said they got together once a month. And they ate fried chicken and sweet potatoes and lots of butter. And they joked around the table and talked about their congregants and gossiped about other preachers. 
and then they doze off during the preaching when the guest speaker would speak. He said, at the end of my message, one young preacher had been listening. And he said, you know what, maybe we should cancel these meetings. All we do is glutton ourselves with food and gossip and doze off. Maybe we should just cut the food out and just have preaching. Maybe we should cut the conversation out and just have preaching and have prayer. We'll have a prayer meeting. We'll have preaching. He says the conversation went around the table. The men said, oh, no, 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 no. See, this is a ministry for the ladies. They like, they like to cook for us. So we, we would offend them if we stopped having their lunch. And I mean, we can pray, but he said, we pray all the time. There's no need to pray more. The guy, the guy said it with a straight face, Tozer said. The guy said, prayer doesn't really accomplish the work anyways. And we can have more preaching, but we preach all the time. And so they voted to keep the meetings as is. And Tozer said, it's easy to pastor a church and live in your parsonage and deliver your sermons and go to the preacher's meeting and hobnob and rub elbows and eat lunch. Because what I noticed in that meeting was 50 pastors and no power of God. No power of God. Things haven't changed. That was probably 100 years ago. We're commercializing. Church, there's power that comes from God. There's power that you and I lack if we're walking in sin. If we're not faithful, if we're not serving Christ, there is real power. This goes along with the neglected doctrine of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? We don't, and Brother Tatsu and I were talking, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit like we ought to in church today. He's kind of on the sidelines. You know that picture in Revelation? I promise I'll get back to my notes at some point. The picture in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus goes to the church and he's outside knocking. And he's like, if anybody will open the door, I'll come in and I'll, I'll fellowship with you. He's outside the church, right? They're talking about him inside. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And today I think it's the Holy Spirit who's outside knocking on, hey, you're talking about me. If you open the door, I'll empower you. And we're like, don't open that door. When you open that door, things get weird. We can't control that. I received a timely devotion this last week from Al Baker, a wonderful man of God. He says, due to our fear of excess in the neo-Pentecostal movement of our natural inclination as Reformed and Presbyterian types, he's a Presbyterian, to emote little passion in preaching and prayer, we generally seem to deny or ignore the experiential ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've done, church. We're so... What's the word I'm looking for? Keep our white gloves clean, in other words. We're so prim and proper. Have our theology just in order. But we lack power. Doesn't that bother you? And when you bring up people who have power in the past, you always hear, well, yeah, but they believe this, and that, that's wrong. And, or they believe this, they were off. Listen, maybe their theology wasn't prim and proper, but the power of God was evident in their lives. 
honestly, I'd rather just be a little doctrinally off than to, and, and have some power of God in our lives than to be prim and proper with our theology and not have the power of God. And I think you can have both. I think you can have doctrinal accuracy and the power of God. Why not? Yes. But we're so content to just, we're comfortable. We need to get a hold of the truth that Pentecost was not just a one-time right. historical event. I'm not saying we're going to redo Pentecost, but it has lasting effects that reverberate throughout the church age. The benefits of Pentecost are still available to us today. We fear that which we can't control, and we cannot control the Spirit of God. We also need to get a hold of the truth that resurrection is not just a future event. It is future. I mean, there is a day when all the dead will be raised physically. But if we're saved, we've been raised from spiritual... That was our call to worship. Right. You hath he quickened. Ooh, I didn't plan that, honey. That was beautiful, wasn't that? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The power that raised us also empowers us to walk in holiness. This is the resurrected life, which is the life of all believers. It is the life that all believers should be walking in. We have within us two natures. One is our fallen nature that we receive from Adam. The second is the new resurrected nature that we receive from the second Adam. Turn to Romans chapter 6 with me for a minute. Romans chapter 6. I want to talk about this for a minute. Romans 6 verse 3. Romans chapter 6 verse number 3. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Our Christian life is a picture, church, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have died to the power of sin. Look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what dead people don't do? They don't sin. If you walk up to a dead body, it's not going to want to get drunk. It's not going to want to look at pornography or fornicate. You know why? It's dead. It's free from sin. In terms of the body, now the, the spirit may be in hell for the sin, but the person, the body, the physical person is freed. There's, they're no longer under the power of sin in their, in their body, right? The picture is we are dead to sin. If you are walking in sin today without serious conviction, you're not dead to sin. You're not saved. I get so worried when I confront professing Christians who are living in sin. And they dig their heels in and pretend they're not. You know what David did when he was confronted with his sin? He repented. 
When someone doesn't repent, I have no grounds to believe that person is saved. We are dead. We're on the cross. Sin only has claim on our old nature, by the way. Once our inner nature, nature is renewed in righteousness and brought back from spiritual deadness, sin has no power. Sin has no power over your new nature. Look at verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. If we are walking in the power of Christ's resurrection, we will seek to walk in holiness. Amen. We will live unto God. A professing Christian who walks unrepentingly in sin must be considered a false believer. Has to be. Because there should be a, a conviction there. There should be a struggle there. I mean, even when I was... A Christian watching pornography, I felt conviction, shame, a struggle. People aren't struggling with their sin. They're not saved. Let's be honest about it. The Holy Spirit of God is more powerful than the old nature. The two cannot live together. So, well, you can yield yourself. You can, yes, for a time. But the Spirit's going to convict us of our sin if we're saved. Verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that word reckon means? Paul's not a redneck. He's not saying reckon. <laughs> He's saying count yourself. Consider yourself. Treat yourself as dead. Oh, but I really, oh, I want to do that thing. I know it's wrong. I really want to. Then you need to tell yourself, I have no right to do that. I'm dead. I have no right to that. You know, church, we don't have the right to all the things the world has the right to. That's right. The world is theirs. Sin is theirs. They have the right to fornicate. We don't have the right to do that. Amen. They have the right to drunkenness. We don't have the right to do that. They have the right to all these other... We don't have, we don't have the... We have to walk a certain way. You know why? Because we're dead to those things. Just like I have the right to certain things, dead people don't have a right to. I have a right to go out and have fun tonight if I want to. Take my family to dinner. Maybe go bowling. The person down at the county morgue, they don't have the right to do that. They can't get up and leave. They're dead. They can't do the things I can do. Likewise, if we're dead to sin, church, we can't do the things that those who are living can do. We don't have that right. If we submit ourselves to sin, it's a sign that we're not true believers. The power of the resurrected life is greater than the power of the old nature. Let me say that again. The power of the resurrected life is great. Pastor, I just can't overcome this sin. Then get saved. The power of the resurrected life is greater than the power of the old nature. If we cannot overcome our sin, we're not saved. If we don't have that greater power... If we're walking habitually in that old nature, it's because we are not dead to that old nature. 
Luke verse 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Well, you see right there, Pastor. Paul's saying, he's writing to Christians. Christians can walk, can yield themselves to sin. Yes, unto what? Death. Meaning that if you walk in sin and you yield yourself in sin to the point of death, you die. That's not physical death, guys. That's spiritual death he's talking about there. In other words, you live in sin, you walk in the, in the ways of this world, you're not saved. So you can do it for a time, but a very short time. A very, very short time. You shouldn't need, can I just be frank? You shouldn't need to buy a device for your phone to keep you from looking at dirty stuff. You have the power of the resurrected Christ living in you. If that could raise Christ from physical deadness, why can't it control our phones or computers or televisions or mouths? Oh, you need this. You need, you don't need, I don't, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to tell you, if you're saved, you have at your disposal, if you'll accept it and receive it, the power of God to walk in new life. So do I. And it's free. It's given by Christ as a gift of our redemption. Go back to our text, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10. Philippians 3.10. The Bible says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul didn't want the old ways. Notice that? Paul didn't want the old ways. There was no power in circumcision. There was no power in Judaism. There was no power in Phariseeism. There was no power in law-keeping. Everybody who left Egypt was circumcised. And every one of them but two died in the wilderness in disobedience. You know why? There was no power in circumcision to change their lives. None. No power. The law was designed and intended not to empower us for righteousness, but to reveal our unrighteousness. What these Judaizers were teaching that Paul is combating here would never bring victory to those who follow them. That's what he's trying to get across to them. There's no victory, Philippian church, in following the law. None. It's kind of the plea that's made in Hebrews, right? It's written to people who are being tempted to go back to the temple. What does he say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26? I forget now. I should put it in my notes. If we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. No See, what does that mean, Pastor? Does that mean that if you go back after being saved, that you're, you're not saved? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying if we sin willfully by walking away from the Lord and going back to the temple, 
after receiving the knowledge of the sacrifice of Christ, there's no sacrifice for our sins there. That sacrifice they're making will not atone for your sin. He said the Philippians, what they're teaching you looks good, sounds good, looks holy. All the robes, all the incense, all the others, all the stuff, it looks so good. Man, you can brag, I am saved by believing on Christ. Oh, and I was circumcised, so I'm like extra saved. And Paul says there's no victory in that. There's no victory at all in your efforts. The victory is in Christ, in Christ alone. True power in the Christian life comes from the new nature. Say, Pastor, why don't I have power? Because you're yielding yourself to the old nature. Stop it. Stop doing that. You guys ever watch the old Bob Newhart show in the 70s? The one where he's a psychiatrist. There's that thing in this episode where he tells the person, stop it, over and over again. Stop it. Stop it. I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes when I sin, I know better. I play that for myself because I need to be told to stop it. Stop it. Why are you yielding yourself to the old nature? Say, Pastor, I don't have any power in my life. Stop yielding yourself to the old nature. Why? I just don't have any desire to follow Christ. Then get saved. If you're saved, you have the desire to know Christ. Or you don't have the... The Holy Spirit is going to want to follow Christ. It's going to make much of Christ. If, if, if our hearts are not drawn to Christ, we're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit in us is, well, maybe I'm just more powerful than the Holy... No, you're not. You're not. You're unsaved. The Holy Spirit, His whole ministry is to point us to Christ. Those who follow the law were not saved. They believed another gospel according to Galatians chapter 1. Paul says that although he had accomplished much in his religion, it never brought power over sin. It was being in Christ and dying to self that he was raised to new life and experienced the power of Christ's resurrection. Turn over to Romans chapter 7. Real quick, Romans chapter 7. It's a great picture for us. Romans 7. We're going to start in verse 22. Romans 7, 22. The Bible says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. This is Paul. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Some people see this passage as uh, Paul in his unregenerate state fighting against the conviction of his sins. Others think it's Paul's struggle between the two natures after his conversion. I take that position myself because of verse 22 and 23. Look at that. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. If this is Paul in an unregenerate state, then we have a problem. 
Because the unregenerate man, the unsaved, they do not delight in the law of God at all. There is no warring in their inner man. There is no new nature to war over. There's only their fallen nature. So I think this is Paul's inner struggle. Say, Paul had a struggle with sin, Pastor? Yes, he did. You know, Paul was a man like I am. I say like you are, but some of you are women. But he was a human like you are. He, I know we get this idea from the Bible, these are like superheroes with capes flying around serving God. They weren't. They were men and women who had a real struggle with sin. Paul says, man, I find that when I want to do good, evil is there saying, don't do it. Don't do it. I promise you, go to heaven one day, ask Paul, did you wake up every morning ready to serve God? No. Excited about the ministry? He's going to tell you, no, I did not. Because there was another man inside of him warring against him. The same one that lives inside of me and inside of you, by the way. He was a regular person. The law only condemns, has no power to fight sin. Its job is to expose sin. Look at verse 8. Paul says, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. In other words, he's not saying he was sinless. What he's saying is, I didn't realize I was a sinner without the law. I thought I was righteous. You ever out preaching the gospel? We're out there. But you know how many good people are at the USC game, brother? There are so many good people. Like a hundred times. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. There are so many good people. No. What those are, those are people who have not been confronted with the law of God to see their sin. That's what they are. They're deceived. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, that is, to himself in his own mind. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That is, he saw himself as dead in his sins. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. In other words, the law was given to bring us life by pointing us to Christ. And Paul says, well, I found, when I looked at the law, was death. I was condemned. I remember hearing about Martin Luther. He was like Paul. See, there were good Pharisees and there were bad Pharisees. There were the Pharisees that Jesus dealt with that cleaned the outside, but the inside was dirty. Paul says, as touching the law, you know, blameless. It doesn't mean he was sinless. It means that he was pure. He wasn't cleaning the outside and the inside. He really wanted to serve God. And so it was with priests, right? There were those priests who were living sinful lives, only cleaning up the outside. And there were those like Martin Luther who genuinely wanted to serve God. He wanted to be a good priest. He wanted to please God. And the more he was confronted with the fact that God requires perfect obedience to his law, the more angry he got. Because he realized he could never be perfect. In one of his writings, he said, I hated the God. I hated the God who demanded perfection from me. And so he finally realized, the just shall live by faith. And he realized, oh, we don't receive God's grace actively by working for it. We receive it passively by receiving it. That's when he found salvation. 
So Paul says, I found uh, the, 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 law, the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, or no, in no way. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding that, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, there's no victory in the law. The law, Paul says, made me realize I was dead and could do nothing. Victory comes from being dead to the law and raised to new life. We need to be born again. Raised to spiritual life. And that happens by putting our faith and trust in Christ. Repenting of our sin and believing the gospel. What does it mean to believe, church? It means to rest. That's what the gospel means. It doesn't mean to believe like, do you believe in fairies? It doesn't mean to, okay, I'm going to try to believe. I'm going to set my mind. I'm going to try to believe that he's real. I'm going to try to... You ever watch those Christmas movies where they... They want, they want to believe in Santa Claus. Mommy, Daddy, just try to, to close your eyes. I try. I believe. I believe. I believe. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is to rest in Christ. To trust him. Do you know when I started believing in Christ, church? When I rested in him. When I stopped praying prayers, hoping it was said the right words that he'd save me. When I stopped Hoping going to church would make me right with God. When I stopped reading my Bible to make God happy. When I realized I could never make God happy. But Christ has made God happy. And God is happy with me in Christ. At that moment, I rested. I rested. I was no longer working or trying or striving. I was at peace. And my whole life changed. From the inside out, my whole heart changed. That which I once found titillating, I no longer found exciting. You know why? It was sin. I found it rotten. I felt terrible. I do wrong. I felt terrible. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to pray. I don't know why. I just do. Because I want to know God. Wait a minute. I didn't want to know God before. What's changed? I'm resting in Christ now. That's what it means to believe. It doesn't mean to, with your mind, close your eyes and hope real hard that you'll believe. That's not what it's talking about. It means finding rest and saying, I'm not going to work anymore to try to please God. Christ has already done that. The Judaizers offered no rest, only more and more work. Weird, I took the kids to the park the other day when Amy was visiting Benjamin. And uh, just everywhere is Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, if I threw a rock in any direction, I hit a Jehovah's Witness. I didn't, I promise you. There was no rocks available. <laughs> but they're out there. They have to fulfill so many hours a week to stay in right standing with God. Just more and more work. What Jehovah's Witnesses never do to their dying day, they never rest. There's no peace. 
Church, rest in Christ. Well, pastor, how do I get this power in my life? Rest in Christ. Rest in Christ, and he'll give you the power to overcome your sin, the power to evangelize, the power to be holy, the power to love him more. Rest in Christ. Listen, we receive, even if you're already saved, I'm already saved, pastor. Fine. Then stop striving for more power and rest to receive the power. That's what you do. We receive everything from God by faith. The same way we were saved is the same way we're empowered, by resting in Christ by faith. Christ offers rest to those who come to him because the work that accomplishes our salvation was Christ's work and we rest in his finished work. By the way, if you're trying to please God, stop it. God the Father is happy with one person, Christ. All who are in Christ, God is happy with you. He is ple- He's eternally pleased with you. You cannot make him more happy. Tatsuo, Leo, me, Jason, Reuben, Carmen, Rosie, Kim, Melissa, whoever, Jackie comes out. Those who go out to preach the gospel, share the gospel. Earl was out there. I can't leave If I missed you, I'm sorry. I love you. I didn't. But listen, for those who, those of us who go out, you're not making God happy with you by going out. He cannot be more pleased with you in Christ than he is right now. He is eternally pleased with Christ. He is eternally pleased with you. And that should say, well, does that mean I don't have to go out? No, that should set you free and say, I'm going to go out. I'm going to witness more. It should set you free. I didn't serve the Lord less when I got saved. I served him freely when I got saved. It was a burden before. It was work before. Now it's rest. Paul comes to a breaking point in his fight with his inner man. Look at verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. You ever, you ever said that to yourself? We're praying on Wednesday nights on the prayer list for John Barrows. He's got cancer. He's a faithful man who six days a week is outside an abortion clinic. Eight hours, I think, a day preaching. He's on crutches. He's got a bad foot. He's on crutches. Still stands there with the crutches and preaches the gospel. God's given him great answers to prayer. He saved thousands of babies' lives. He's got cancer. A pastor friend put on Facebook. He got to meet with him, have lunch with him. And they asked him, if the Lord takes you home, what are you looking forward to most? You know what his answer was? I won't sin anymore. I won't sin anymore. You know he's saying? Oh, wretched man that I am. The closer you are to Christ's church, the more you'll hate your sin. The more you'll long for holiness. Are you longing for holiness? No, then you're not near Christ. Those who are near Christ long for holiness. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The answer is Christ. Look at Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Paul gets the, 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 the climax of this struggle and goes, Oh, I hate this inner man. Who's going to deliver me? He goes, Oh, wait. <laughs> Jesus came. And condemned sin in the flesh. There's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. The victory is won, church. Rest. My message title is Striving After Christ. Say, Pastor, that sounds like work, striving. You know how the Christian strives? By resting. You know how we, we uh, lower ourselves to be lifted up. We, we give in order to get. We, we, we serve in order to be a leader. It's backwards from the world. You know how you strive after Christ? Rest in him. Surrender to him. Find your fulfillment in him. Receive your power from him. True freedom and life come from the freedom brought by the spirit of God. Everything else brings you into bondage. It does not set you free. Let me challenge you this morning. Seek the liberty found in Christ. Seek the freedom of resting in Christ. Paul wanted to know Christ. How do we know Christ? We suffer with him. We live the resurrected life with him. We put to death the old nature. We walk in the new nature. Christ dwells in us through the spirit and imparts his life to us. When God created man, we brought this up on Friday at the question and answer. When God created man, how did Adam become alive? God breathed into him the breath of life. How did the, Holy, how did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus breathed on them. It's the breath of God that brings us life, that empowers us. Every sinner who is saved receives that breath when he trusts in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us we're baptized into Jesus when we're saved. Paul wanted to be baptized or immersed into Christ. He wanted Christ's righteousness as his own righteousness. He wanted Christ's power as his own power. And he was willing to suffer as Christ suffered to walk in that life. Church, if you're going to have the power of Christ, you're going to suffer with Christ. You can't have one without the other. Amy Carmichael said the power of his resurrection comes before the fellowship of his sufferings. None can know the suffering servant as much as those who suffered for his sake. He never asks us to do that without empowering us with resurrection power. Let me ask you this morning, does Christ dwell in your heart by faith? If he does, you have power over sin. You have power in prayer. You have power to walk in a new life. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't have that power. Then you need to get saved. How do I do that? By resting in Christ. By looking to Jesus Christ as the yes and amen of all of God's promises. God the Father is eternally pleased with the Son. If you're in the Son, he's eternally pleased with you this morning. If you're not, the wrath of God abides upon you. You have no power. Turn to Christ and be saved. If you're saved this morning, you have experienced the power from on high. 
There are a great many nominal Christians walking around this land who know nothing of the power of God. Let go of anything that would keep you from knowing Christ, from knowing the power of his resurrection, from knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. Let me close with the last part of Philippians 3.10, being made conformable unto his death. The language here is a present tense. This is a continual conforming to the death of Jesus. What did the death of Jesus mean, church? He died unto sin, right? That meant the death of sin. As we die to ourselves and surrender ourselves to Christ, sin loses more and more power over us. The more you walk in the resurrected life, the less power sin has over you, over me. The more we submit to the old man, the more power sin has over us. To know and experience Christ, that's Paul's desire. Church, that should be our desire as well. To know, to know and experience Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for our time in the Word. Thank you for your, the blessing of your Word that we can come together and dig into it together. Thank you for the power not only to free us from our sins, but to walk in new life. Help us, Lord. Help us reject nominal, powerless Christianity and to seek the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If there's one here who's not saved, I pray they'd rest in Christ today. If there are some here who've been surrendering themselves to the old nature, I pray they'd put that to death. Consider themselves, reckon themselves to be dead to sin and submit themselves to the new nature, to walk in holiness and righteousness. Lord, here we want to know you, the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. Conform us now to your death. May we die to sin more and more each day. Bless the offering to come. In Jesus' name, amen.